0: Alexei Navalny, 47 years old. He was last seen yesterday at a hearing. He seemed alive and well or well enough for someone who has been in solitary confinement and very, very harsh prison conditions for months. Um, this is a man who has been fighting Putin with his heart and soul and every inch of himself uh, for, for decades and has been poisoned was in a coma and could have left and could have lived a good life elsewhere, but after recovering, went back to Russia and went straight to prison, who felt he could move the meter on the world stage from prison better than anywhere else. And in death, the question will be, will, will, West, will the West respond appropriately to Putin's evil, especially given the war in Ukraine And then it comes down to Republicans in the House and aid to Ukraine in that war, in their time of need, in their response to Russian aggression. Will they step up or will they bow down to Vladimir Putin's useful idiot, Donald Trump? That's the question in the wake of the death of Alexei Navalny.
1: Welcome back to the Professor Penn Podcast. This is David Penn. It's episode number 95, Second Hand jerkoffs. Very glad you're with me tonight. Uh, this is the 22nd of February, 2024. we got a lot of new people. I'm, I'm very active now on X, and uh, I'm learning a lot, and I'm inviting people to come. We're going to get people that are new, uh, We're a respectful community. We want to communicate with each other, listen to each other. Uh, I'm really about a politics that is not bound by the scam of red team, blue team. These people have been scamming me my whole life with this political theater, and I'm not interested in their theater. I'm interested in the outcome of the actual legislation. And the outcome is $34 trillion of debt, an open wound of a border, in an endless war. I really don't care to assign a blame because red-blue is an energy system like a yin-yang symbol. These two groups are working in harmony with each other while they're opposed to each other. You take a look at that uh, uh, yin-yang philosophy. It really applies so critically well here. It's the tension of opposites in harmony and one thing turns into its opposite. And boy, am I seeing that in my lifetime because, you know, I was involved in the 1960s as a very young teenager uh, because my parents were leaders of the anti-war movement here in Minnesota. So I was at the protests, involved, sitting in the room with the leaders of the anti-war movement in Minnesota and nationally, like Eugene McCarthy. I mean, these were people that were in my world and these people were anti-war, anti-military industrial complex. We let off here with um, morning, Joe. That's Mika Brzezinski. That's Zygmunt Brzezinski, the Dark Sith Lord's daughter. Uh, Mika is, you know, saying that Navalny passed and, uh, you know, with the West, which she means the United States, as we're going to see later because, you know, who's paying the bills is making the rules, and that on this military thing is we the people. She's saying that the United States, in response to this Navalny thing, needs to do the right thing and fund the war effort in the Ukraine. And, of course, um, it's these uh, terrible Republicans in the House that are not funding the war. So the, uh, the issue is, if we're going to honor Navalny, we're going to fund the war and it's the republicans who are the stooges or the puppets or the agents of putin that's the implication and it's all over the internet i mean i'm i'm in social media and the the implication is constantly being put forth that the nationalists here in the united states or the people that are concerned about the well-being of american citizens are actually agents of putin it's it's a Fantastic psychological operation meant to do one thing, to discredit nationalism here in the United States, or in other words, anti-globalism. Even calling it nationalism is not correct. It's anti-globalism, anti-military industrial complex, anti-war. It's being branded that if you're anti-war, you're a stooge of Putin. And that's just really, it's dumb. Now, if we fall into it, if we allow ourselves to be branded, which I know when I listen to it, I go, whoa, I'm being branded a traitor. That's kind of painful. I don't like that. I have to think through and say, am I really, really pro-Putin? And I'm going to say very directly, I'm anti-Putin. And I have, unlike most of these talking people, now, Mika has, you know, some bona fides in this area. Her father was born in Poland. She's from the region. She has an opinion based on the Polish history with the Russians. It's not a happy history because the Germans and the Russians partitioned Poland in 1939, and the Russians took half of Poland. They had a little pact with the uh, Nazis called the Ribbentrop Agreement, and they, they just took the Polish people apart. And then after the war, you know, the Russians took the whole country and was part of the Soviet Union, and, you know, the Poles don't like the Russians for that reason, and that makes perfectly good sense to me. The Russians don't like the Poles for their own reasons, which Putin tried to lay out in his recent interview with Tucker Carlson, which was, again, widely derided, even though it was another view of history from a different street corner. And if you're new on the Professor Penn podcast... We really want to look at history, or I, I don't want to say we because that's a bit of a cognitive distortion. I personally like to look at events from many different angles to try to discern the truth because history is always written by the victor. And the victor has their own narrative. They have a a goal in how they write the history. So we sit here in the United States of America in 2024, Uh, This is a country that was participating in the destruction of fascism, the great victory over the Germans and the Italians and the Japanese in 1945, and that ushered in the post-World War II Democrat-Liberal order, and all of our history is written from that perspective. Well, that's the new order. That's the new world order. And what is the new world order built upon? It's built upon the ashes of the old world order, which we, the people, know almost nothing about. It would mean that we would have to study European history going back thousands of years to understand how these conflicts and these hatreds developed and how these different groups of people were separated and then there was wars for reunification. we got to understand this stuff. And And when I understand it, here's what jumps to my mind. You know, the, the people that are globalists are not going to like this. This has no benefit to my family. This war in the Ukraine, where we have a proxy war going on with many, many American citizens there fighting, as we're going to see shortly, it doesn't benefit me. Who benefits from this war? And who are the secondhand jerk-offs that are so supportive and so... Uh, creative in developing the conditions where the the headspace, the information space is so pressuring of the American people and of the American Congress to fund this war. Why are we always funding wars? I had an interaction with a, a person on X, and they they took issue with me about globalism. They said globalism is intended to keep the peace and it's done a great job. And that's that person's perspective from their street corner. Hey, from my street corner, we've been at war my entire life, or we've been funding wars or insurrections my entire life. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of deal is this where the post-World War II Democrat liberal order is continuously at war? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't like it. I think it's somewhat of a scam. I view it as colonialism. 2.0, a rebranded colonialism. And why do I say that? Because we believe we're better than other people. We Americans believe that our style of governance, our everything, who we are, is better than everybody else. And our secondhand jerk-offs that lead the country, that graduated from the dirty dozen, the Harvards, the Yales, the Princetons, the Columbias, the University of Chicago's, these people, they think they're better than everybody else. So we really haven't gotten by this... um, human frailty of creating hierarchies where one race is superior and another is inferior. We've rebranded it, and that's a problem for me. That I just—I know that we're going to continue, as Bob Marley sang of Haley Selassie's great uh, presentation of the United Nations, as long as one race or one group holds themselves superior and another group inferior, everywhere is war. And that's where we've got right now. We've got wars all over the world, almost as if the post-World War II Democrat liberal order treats war the way our states treat cigarettes. They don't eliminate cigarettes. They regulate them and tax them and control them and make money off of them. And that's why people are starting to wake up and see that war is a racket. And boy, if you're watching Morning Joe... If you just take the time to watch these people, their heads are blown off their shoulders because their narrative is unwinding. It's just unwinding. It's all the podcasters, it's all the people that are waking up to the military industrial complex is robbing us and what it does with our money is kill people and then rob us again. It's a it's a you know wash, rinse, repeat and we're going to talk about that tonight. So I'm, I'm very happy you're here. If you're new, uh, you know, people, you're not a professor. Oh, you know what? Screw off. It's, an, it's a stage name. I'm educated. The people that stay with this podcast know it's fairly intense, and it's, you know, I, I take a very serious effort to look at the issues that underlie where we're at, what's happened historically and philosophically and religiously so that we know how we got here. Because if I don't know how I got where I am, how am I going to get out of this mess? How are we going to get out of this mess? And it is a mess. And uh, for those of you that that are new, you know, we pray here. And the praying, you know, it's good for us even if we don't believe in God because being thankful and grateful brings about a very positive biophysiological outcome in our bodies, in the cells of our bodies. And I need to pray. Now, I am a believer, but it's just good to be thankful. Blessed are you, God and king of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and king of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and king of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and king of all worlds. Thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for feeding the people. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for creating the heavens and earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for our American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die on the cross that I might be saved. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Pardon me, my King, for I have willfully transgressed, for you pardon and forgive. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, who is gracious and ever willing to forgive. And I believe that I have received health for all my flesh. For those of us that are struggling with physical issues, I believe that I've received health for all my flesh. I believe that I've received health for all my flesh. You know, uh, it can't hurt us to believe that we're going to be healthy. Uh, if people are going to take a great issue with um, being hopeful and uh, being uh, of good cheer, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm on X, and it is so negative, and people are so mean to each other, and the influencers are so clearly on someone's payroll to sow seeds of division. I really want to try to stay away from that as much as I can here on the Professor Penn Podcast. We're a political action community. I want to thank Free People Radio for giving us the forum to do these podcasts together. I want to thank you for joining. This is the search for truth. I do not say, unlike so many of these secondhand jerk-offs, that I know what the truth is. We're just working together to search for the truth. You know, um, one of the participants in a live chat this last Tuesday night, a kid named Jamie, said something that was so meaningful to me personally. I'd never thought of it before. It alleviated some suffering that i have been going through. And he's just a young kid. He's 40 years younger than me. It doesn't matter. He's a, he studies. He's knowledgeable. He shared something. It helped me. That's what we're trying to do here in this community. And we're trying to organize. So you, when I say we're trying to organize, we're a political movement that's about the well-being of the American people. We want three political outcomes at this time in American history. We want to, we need to, we must restore spiritual borders in the American people. Because if we have spiritual borders, so many of our problems are just gonna disappear. Because we have the power of choice, free will. We want our physical and spiritual borders restored. We wanna take the public debt of 34 trillion US dollars and turn that into private asset and we want to end the endless war. So please, I've moved on to X. I'm working there very consistently. Please join on X at the Professor Penn Podcast because we are an action community. I need help. I go into some of these places, and boy, these people are not nice. And frankly, sometimes they're not too... Uh, well, they're on one street corner. They don't see an infinite number of perspectives. They're really tied to a dynamic of division and of hatred. And I look at this and I go, where does all this hatred come from? Wow. I, in my life, have not been cursed with the spirit of hatred. I just, I haven't, I've been very, I've been other challenges, but hatred has not, or, you know, rage, anger, wrath. I'm just not uh, struggled with that wrath For for most of my life, it's been a very minimal uh, energy that has impacted me. And I realize that our country is given over to wrath at a level that is profound. Well, nothing good is going to come from that. Nothing good comes from lust. Nothing good comes from greed. And speaking of greed, speaking of greed... Could you please play number two?
2: For all these all these rich people that are bitching about how he's a socialist. And I heard another story about it last night. People around the table, this guy that's got millions and millions of dollars, all he's doing is bitching about, oh, Biden's a socialist. He's surrounded by socialists, and because he's a really wealthy guy, nobody at the dinner table was saying anything to him. And this then um, a woman I know told me was telling me about how she said, Hey, wait, wait a second. How? How's Biden a socialist? Well, he's just a name one policy. Well, uh, name one person in his administration. Will, I just know he is. I just, well, he must just know he is because he listens to certain shows on Fox News or Fox Business or Newsmax or something like that. That's the thing, Michael, that Willie and I talk about all the time. You want to know how Biden's doing? Look at your 401k. And if you're one of these rich country club types, drive your Ferrari or your Maserati uh, to to, to your country club and bitch about how horrible the economy is. Look at your your stock app and see how much money you're making every hour, because there's not a crazy lunatic in the White House. There's somebody who actually respects the rule of law. There's actually somebody who respects American democracy. And yes, There's actually somebody that respects American capitalism and what keeps it stable. But these freaks, I'm not exactly sure what they think they're going to get from Donald Trump, but they're going to get none of that. So just look right in front of you right now when trying to figure out, uh, Michael, whether he's up to the job or not. Your 401k suggests he is.
1: Oh, isn't that lovely? You know, MSNBC actually put that up as an um, endorsement of President Biden. And what are they saying? Check your 401K to support the current administration. If you're making more money, it's all good. Well, first of all, there's a lot of people in this country that don't know what a 401K is. Let's forget about all, all those people. brings to mind my mother, who is an activist, communist of the highest order, Got a lifetime achievement award here in Minnesota. There was a bust of her in the uh, Minnesota Capitol. She was a very prominent player, and I went to this event, and uh, there was a full room. I mean, there was a thousand people in in there honoring my mother, which, you know, that was cool. And uh, there was a governor of Minnesota, former governor. His name was Al Qui, and he he came up on the stage and he said, you know. Um, Barbara needs to have this award, and uh, the reason we're going to have uh, welfare and we're going to have these uh, different programs is that's the way we keep the poor pacified. Uh, But he went on and on about, you know, democracy, just like Joe. And uh, he really didn't talk very much about the poor, which was my mother's work. And she got up on the stage and she said, "Um, there's so much talk about the middle class, no one speaks of the poor. And the poor is a ever-growing population here in our country, and that's not what Morning Joe was talking about, which MSNBC is allegedly the liberal leftist news source, and that's why I say at the beginning, this is like the yin-yang philosophy, where one thing turns into its opposite. When I was young, the new left of the 60s and 70s was completely focused on the plight of the poor that's why johnson created the great society that's why we had all these new programs that started in the nineteen sixties what do these people become they're actually justifying the righteousness of the regime or the administration because we're making money you know what that is that's called being bought off as long as you're doing good don't pay attention And I'm going to tell you, I'm in social media, and that's exactly where the American people are at. That's exactly what they think. But let me just read something to you that's very ancient. And if you're new and you're thinking I'm doing some kind of religious thing here, I'm not. What we tend to do when we give up our faith in God is we go, ah, the Old Testament, the New Testament, that's crap. I'm not going to look at that. There's racism in there, slavery, misogyny. There's no wisdom in there. And then they just don't ever look. We don't look as if non-believers or the faithless or the atheist, the people that are sure there's no God and think religion was a scam. They never look back in there. And, you know, sometimes I look back and I go, wow, these people either had a great sense for how things were going to turn out or there's something divine. I'm just going to read this to you. Some of you are going to recognize it. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying. through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye not be partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and I am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judgeth her. Okay, you know, I'm not into the prophecy of this that much. I just want to be very frank. I'm not. And we'll talk about that in an upcoming podcast because, you know, I have my right to be on whatever street corner I want to be on. But this part really catches my eye. The merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Isn't that what Morning Joe's talking about? As long as you're waxing rich and you've got the delicacy, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. You know, there's nothing good about this, this kind of materialism. This is the unbalance to materialism to the detriment of a spiritual life which takes the people to boundarylessness. We have no spiritual boundaries as a people. Why do we know that? Look around you. There's no internal spiritual boundaries. I'm not going to comment on the abortion issue because when I talk, and this is not an abortion comment, because when I talk to most women, they'll say a woman's right to choose a sacrosanct, but they're not personally in favor of an abortion because of the harm it does to the woman, many of them who have had abortions and who suffer emotional trauma afterwards. You know, there's a great way around abortion. It would be called men having a spiritual border. Men, I have a young man in my life. I just sat down and talked to him. He's 14. I told him, it's impossible for you to impregnate a woman before marriage. It's impossible. And he looked at me, and I said, do you have a brain? He goes, yes. Are you willing to use your brain? Yes. Then it's impossible to get a woman pregnant before marriage. It's a failure of masculinity. It doesn't matter what these women do or want to do. Men keep your consciousness about you that's a spiritual border that eliminates all kinds of problems just little things like that small little issues like that solve problems very substantially but you know nobody talked to me like that when i was fourteen my father never said no it was a different time it was the early seventies and the sexual revolution had just took off Maybe my parents didn't know what was going down, but I did. And it's worse now today than it was when I was a kid. So men, men, be men, be men. Have discipline and spiritual boundaries. That's not denial. That's being a man. Be a man. I think we even had a podcast. The title of the thing was Be a Man. Well, let me tell you, we have to pay for things here. This is Free People Radio. If you're new, every podcast has to make money. This is not free doing this kind of high-quality work. This is a studio. This is a digital audio uh, production environment. It costs money. We have to do some things to defray the cost. We're not trying to get rich. We don't want to go broke. One thing you can do is go to freepeopleradio.com and visit the store. The store, we have T-shirts and things for your kitchens. It's a quid pro quo. You send us money. We send you something you can use. You've got to buy a T-shirt. Why not buy it from Free People Radio? And along those lines, we're in the tire business. We have a company called TireGet.com. That's T-I-R-E-G-E-T.com. So let me make a little sausage for you, and this is going to show up over media. TireGet.com. Tireget.com, we're an online e-commerce retail store. We have everything you need for tires for every vehicle that you own. It's really cool. We've got all the major brands. We've got private label tires. They're all priced right. We do your service. That's right. You go to the site, T-I-R-E-G-E-T.com, and we help you with your tire. We've got great customer service, and we do your service right by your house. No extra charge. Just... Two minutes from your house, your tires that you buy will be sitting there waiting for you when you make an appointment at the appointed time. It's spring. Spring is about to come upon us. This is the time people get out and start to drive about. You're going to need new tires. Check your tires. If you can look at that tread and it makes you nervous that it's low, come to Target.com. We'll take care of your tire needs. It'll be great, and you might get to talk to Professor Penn. All right, there's the sausage making. It wasn't my best effort. That's because we had a long day today. I was in the studio at 7 o'clock, and here it is at 5, and we're still cranking away. So I'm going to do the best I can. I think if I just give over and let myself get fired up, it's going to get better and better. And what could make it better than the news that matters? Here's something that will fire me up, and it's going to blow your mind. Could you please play number three? Take a look at this American citizen and what she's up to. Play it a couple of times, let it sink in. Becca,
0: in general, in general, the situation's really difficult. It's hard for our guys; they're tired. Um, Everything is just kind of coming in nonstop. Becca, in general, this is a beautiful
1: young American.
0: It's hard for our guys. They're tired.
1: She's a medic. Um,
0: Everything is just kind of coming in nonstop. And
1: she's in the Ukraine. One more time.
0: Becca, in general, general, the situation's really difficult. It's hard for our guys. They're tired. Um, Everything is just kind of coming
3: in nonstop.
1: Um, That's good. Thank you. So you can imagine that if we have American young women medics in-country in the Ukraine, we probably have some other people there too. In other words, we have a contractor army, off-the-books army. We the people don't know anything about these individuals. I know many of them because they're my friends. Uh, They're over there. They get paid a lot of money. They're on the payroll. The CIA funds this stuff. It's funded off the books. You, you can take a look at, like, an appropriation. It'll say for the State Department for unspecified costs, fifty million dollars, fifty billion dollars. Who knows what the number is? It's every bill has got some line item. State Department, you know, undetailed funding, seventeen billion. This is where it's going to fund these wars. And to pay for American ex-military that have graduated, you know, that we, we the people paid for their military education. You know, they went up, they started, they went up, and maybe they were in for 20 years, and they were good at their work, and they decided to do it for, I don't know, 400 grand a year. This is really highly paid work. A lot of people do it, and there's a lot of Americans there. So when we think about Putin, the vile one, the evil one, what does he see from his street corner? He sees American weapons wielded by American citizens killing Russians. Not a very friendly way to interact with a nuclear superpower. In fact, when I was younger, such things were impossible. It was thought in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, and into the early 90s when the Soviet Union came apart at the seams, it was thought that there would be no direct military confrontation between American citizens and the possessors of nuclear weapons lest things escalate and a nuclear war ensued. But hey, it's a different era now, and uh, we're going right up the threat ladder, and here is an American citizen in the Ukraine sending us a little message back, letting us know that things are not going well. And they're not going well because Ukraine funding has not been approved, funding for Israel has not been approved, funding for the Taiwanese has not been approved because of the traitors, the traitors in the U.S. House of Representatives led by the traitor Mike Johnson, and, you know, this is a branding war, it's an information war. If we allow ourselves to fall into the dichotomy that not funding the war makes us agents of Putin... We've lost this information battle. Not funding, not supporting funding for war means we don't support war. Not funding a war means we're in favor of giving peace a chance, something the American citizens have completely lost touch with. And I can say this after being in the ring with dozens of American citizens who tell me how important it is, That we fund the Ukrainians because, A, if we don't do it, we're going to end up in World War III in Europe. And, B, so much of our financial prosperity depends on the post-World War II Democrat liberal order. And I can just say from myself, from my street corner, that if my prosperity is built on killing people, my prosperity is built on sand. Well, what's going on? Let me give you an example of how, what a scam this whole thing is. In the midst of all this um, controversy about the House Republican traders not funding this war, it has been widely reported that the Japanese government, out of nowhere, allegedly, wow, even the Japanese, what do the Japanese got to do with it? They're on the other side of the world. They're Asians. They ponied up 12 billion with the B dollars for the Ukrainians while we're sitting around being agents of Putin over here in the United States. And, you know, that was widely touted as an example of that even the Japanese are doing it, 12 billion. And, you know, what people don't know is because they don't read these the fine print, is that um, just a few months ago, just a few months ago, the Raytheon Corporation, that manufactures the Patriot Missile Batteries, which are so effective against Russian jet aircraft, licensed the Mitsubishi Company of Japan to build Patriot Missile Batteries. If anybody would like to go back and look at their history, if they remember Pearl Harbor, the planes that dropped the bombs that killed between 3,000 and 4,000 American citizens, on December 7, 1941, were Mitsubishi Zeros. In fact, there's a Mitsubishi Automotive Division. Mitsubishi is a industrial conglomerate, a Koretsu, in Japan, and they have now been licensed to build Patriot missile batteries. So guess what the Japanese government does? They give the Ukrainians $12 billion dollars, the Ukrainians give the money right back to Mitsubishi of Japan, which makes a forty or fifty percent profit, which they whack up with Raytheon. Could be a hundred percent profit. I don't know. I am not a merchant of death. I don't know. Could be two hundred percent. I have no idea what they're making. Maybe uh, Elizabeth Warren would like to chime in on this greed and profit by a corporation, but of course she doesn't talk about that. Then they take that $12 billion that recycles back into Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi gives that money to the Japanese politicians that continue to recycle arms orders back into Mitsubishi. And who pays for it? The dumb Japanese citizens that go to work every day, work their asses off and pay taxes. War is a racket. War is a money-making business strategy. It's based on the old-time business model of piracy and drugs and slavery. Drugs, we know drugs are everywhere. Slavery, we got debt slavery, and boy, are the Japanese in debt. Then we have piracy, which is war. This is a business model that pervades our world. Of course, it's going to have a bad ending for us, us regular mud people that just have families and want to raise children and enjoy our, our lives It doesn't end well for us when the business model of our country is all about piracy, drugs, and slavery. It just doesn't end well. It just doesn't end well. So, you know, this is the news of the day. Uh, Global arms sales are soaring. Uh, Last year, it was $2.2 trillion globally was spent on arms. It was a 9% increase. This is explained as a Surge in uh, defense spending that's related to the ending of American hegemony and the beginning of a multipolar world where countries are going to pursue their aims, possibly without reliance on what we would call the rule of law or the post-World War II Democrat liberal order. And the reason why they're not is the post-World War II Democrat liberal order is a rebranding of the british empire that's why putin calls it the anglo-american cartel we are the muscle the bouncer defending the last vestiges of the british empire why do we know it look at ukraine look up its history don't take it from me do your own homework I always say this. you got to do your own homework. Just go to Wikipedia and read the history of war in Ukraine, and you're going to see that the British started attacking there. in when? 1805. Go take a look at the Middle East. Look at the British and the French and the Italians and the Germans. Look what they did to the Middle East. It's a post-colonial nightmare. You know, I've got friends, and we're going to talk. Ty, we're going to get to you tonight, Ty, because I listened to my my viewers, and I I understand what they want me to talk about, and I'm not afraid to go there. Look at Israel. Israel is a creation of the British crown. Now, the Jews were happy to take the assignment, but it was the Balfour Declaration and the British Empire's desire to control, to use the Jews to control the Suez Canal and the oil resources by scrambling the region and making everybody hate each other. You know, when you're hating everybody, and that's what I say about acts, we're so busy hating each other, we don't realize we're getting played. The very people that turn the Middle East into a quagmire of subgroups that hate each other and kill each other are turning America into a quagmire of subgroups that hate each other, and we're going to talk about that tonight. That is the number one sickness, and we've been made sick. We've been made sick so that we can't organize our communities to throw off this horrific business model of piracy and drugs and slavery, which was the British model that we rebelled against when we declared our independence in 1776. The founders of this country said, we don't want to live in this business model. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. We don't want slavery and drugs and piracy. We want a new Jerusalem that's based on a spiritual idea of self-governance. We don't want a purely material world, which is all about one race is superior and another is inferior. Now, I know we had slavery at the beginning of the country. We couldn't, as the American people, completely extricate ourselves from a business model that had pervaded our thinking Because guess what? It's 2024, and it's dominating our thinking still to this day. But we got to first wake up to what we're doing. And what we're doing is we've built our house on sand, and the sand is debt slavery, a sick society that is dependent on drugs of all kinds, and piracy. It's war. War, war in the East war in the West, war up North, and war down South. And when you take a look at who spends the money on weapons, you know, they talk about this, and there's a lot of hubbub about this in terms of Trump saying that every NATO country needs to spend at least 2% of their GDP, gross domestic product, on their military defense. You take a look at it. The United States is spending 3.49%, and if you listen to General Jack Keene, who is General Jack Keane who's one of the greatest arms salesmen in the history of arms selling, you can see him on Fox News where Nikki Haley hangs out, he would like this to go to 6%. But at 3.49%, we're spending about $900 billion a year. And you take a look at all these countries, and the next one, guess who's next? The United Kingdom. They spend 2.07% of their GDP on arms sales. But what they're spending is like, oh, I don't know, $100 billion. Because their GDP is so small compared to the United States' GDP. And then you go through the whole list, and very few countries are over the 2% threshold that they've committed to to be NATO members. And who are the countries that are over the 2% threshold? Well, it's all the countries that have the, are very scared about what's happening in the Ukraine. Let me give you an example. Poland. Poland's at 3.9%, even more than the United States, because guess what? The Poles know that they're down there in the Ukraine creating a lot of havoc. We got, oh, Greece. Greece is very afraid of Turkey. These two people have been fighting each other. The Greeks and the Turks have been at it since, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, a long time. There's a great movie about it. Troy, Helen of Troy. These two groups, the Greeks and the Turks, have been at it. Since before Christ made corporal. Here's another group the Finns. Oh, the Finns, they fought two wars with the Russians recently. Recently, they were part of the Russian Empire as recently as 1917. Of course, they're concerned. They're trying to set a good example for NATO. Oh, here's another one Romania, Hungary. They're right there, close by. The, Slo- the Slovaks, the Slovak Republic, and, of course, our friends in the Baltic Republics. You know, the Lithuanians, the Latvians, the Estonians, they were part of Russia for hundreds of years. These people are trying to set a great examples. They're actually spending more than 2% of their GDP on defense. But when you look at what that amounts to, it would be called de minimis. The United States is spending all the money for military, and let's let's see what we're doing here. Let's think about this. Every year, we deficit deficit spend a uh, trillion and a half, two trillion. You know, I'm on X, and these people are saying Biden's great at cutting deficit. They didn't read the debt ceiling bill. They don't realize that all of their presumptions is just propaganda. There's nothing stopping the increase in our debt. It's going up all the time. We're always inflating the money supply. Therefore, our GDP is already always increasing, it's the ever-increasing GDP. So the percentage that we spend on the military also increases in real dollars, or shall I say fiat currency. So they're always getting more of the cake. Inflation is a tax on all the people because everything we do costs more. And all this money is pouring into the military. It's a racket. Our entire economy is based on the military. Our entire educational system is about turning out PhDs that either justify military by being secondhand jerk offs who support the post World War II a Democrat liberal order. Do you get it? They didn't pick those words by accident. It's the Democrat liberal order. I want to say it again, it needs to sink in. We are living in the post World War II Democrat liberal order. And these people will say, oh, if you're reading the Epoch Times or if you're reading, if you're watching Newsman, these, all these other Americans, they're, they're, they're cultists. They, Trump people, are, they're, it's a cult. The Trump is cult. You know what this is? This is Saul Olinsky. Always brand your opposition of what you are yourself. People are so bought into this Democrat-Liberal order, they don't realize they're cultists because their attachment to it does not allow for any rational discernment or investigation. We're about the search for truth. I said to someone on X today, globalism is not the problem. It's the people without spiritual borders who are running globalism as a racket to take total control of the entire planet using all kinds of long cons, the core of which is this military scam. The whole thing is about an endless war. You want to know how to end an endless war? Quit funding it. Quit funding it. You know, if the Ukrainians and the Russians have no funding for war, let's say we could defund the Russians at the same time, they might still kill each other with sticks and stones. It's a lot less killing. What we have today is the same organization of human hatred that existed in the Stone Age, The difference is, in the Stone Age, they threw rocks at each other, and now we have ICBMs tipped with nuclear weapons. It's the same idea. Technology has improved. And I've played many times on this podcast, The Dark Lord Herman Kahn, in 1957, broadcasting from the Hudson Institute, a CIA-funded think tank, where he laid out the entire security state we're living in. They had a vision for it in 1960, and they funded scientific research for the last 50, 60 years to create the kind of hell we're living in today. That's just what it is. And there's always another weapon sale. Since I saw you last, the Biden administration approved a $23 billion, that's with a B, sale of F-16 jets to the Turks, who just recently, just recently under the Trump administration, barely escaped sanctions. In fact, there was some sanctions, but they weren't serious sanctions for buying Russian anti-missile, anti-aircraft defense systems, the SAMs. That was a no-no. But the Turks said, hey, the price was right. If we're going to buy Patriots, we want a license like the Japanese have to manufacture them in Turkey. And for whatever reason, the powers that be said you cannot have a license we are not transferring our technology to you, Turkey. So the Turks went out and did business with the Russians, and there was a big brouhaha about that. In fact, they were cut off the list of the folks that got the F-35s. They don't get the really good stuff. They got the secondhand F-16s. But it's good enough for killing people that are driving around in Mitsubishi p- you know, pickups with 50 cals on the back. It's good enough for that area where they're killing Kurds every day. And while all this is going on, our debt is, you know, the debt increase is accelerating. The Treasury Department just reported a $532 billion deficit in just the first four months of fiscal 2024, up $72 billion from the same period last year. The CBO is projecting a deficit of at least $1.58 trillion this year. Thank you, Tom Emmer. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy, and thank you, Joe Biden, for signing the legislation which made the American people think it was the greatest cut in American history when, in fact, it was a scam and the debt's just going up like crazy because they want it to go up because when the debt goes up and they put more money in the economy, everyone's 40K continues to increase. That allows Morning Joe to get on television and say, oh, haven't we given you enough money? Aren't you bought off enough to support this death and destruction that has become America, the purveyors of the post-World War II Democrat liberal order, which is a rebranding of colonialism, of slavery, drugs, and piracy? That's all it is. But we have to have the discernment, the guts, the courage, the fortitude to do the research for ourselves. Because if we listen to the secondhand jerk-offs, we're never going to get to it. And we're going to get to these jerk-offs. With all of this debt, the Fed has to keep up appearances, raises the interest rates because the inflation is raging out of control. So now we have layoffs, but not the kind of layoffs one would expect. It's the kind of layoffs that are associated with increasing technology, artificial intelligence. Many, many companies, it's the record that many companies are now talking about what they call investments in new technologies, or what they call investing in operational efficiency, which is going to lead to the job loss for millions. And who's making out on this? Companies like NVIDIA that make advanced chips. And look up who owns NVIDIA. Well, that'd be BlackRock and State Street, all of our great hedge funds, which we have our 401ks in. So you're investing, if you're one of these 401k holders, in the loss of jobs for your fellow citizens, put them on universal basic income and creating a permanent underclass because you believe you're smart. You believe you won the game. You think because you have some savings, you won. That's what you think. That's what you think. Go ahead and believe it as long as you can. And when the thing collapses and they take every dollar away from you and you're just as poor as those poor inner city people that you make fun of, you'll realize that they were the beta test, and you, sir, are the victim. You, ma'am, are the victim. All you people that believe in this scam, this long con, you are going to be, at the end, holding the bag. My opinion, I'm entitled to it, and we're going to go through it podcast after podcast with evidence. Put your questions in the live chat. I'll answer your questions. I'm going to get to Ty's question very shortly. We are community. We communicate with each other. I will try to do my research. When I'm wrong, I will admit it. I have no problem saying I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I don't get my personal strength from being right. I get my strength for searching for truth. And I gain my salvation by believing in God. And boy, there's going to be have some people that are going to need to believe in God because I'm going to leave the news that matters with this. Commercial real estate is a $3 trillion asset class in this country. That would be the United States of America. That's about to get written down, according to Morgan Stanley and other top experts, to $1.8 trillion. That means $1.2 trillion of real estate loans are about to get written down. That would be called a crisis. There's some 300 banks that are on the hook for bank runs when the people figure out that the paper they're holding is not worth the paper it's printed on. We've got some big problems that are associated with this kind of inflation and these kind of layoffs and this kind of decay that's affecting our you know, inner cities because nobody wants to go downtown to work anymore. It's not safe, right? So all these things are going on, and then we've got these secondhand jerk-offs that are telling us it's all okay and what we got to do because they're so much smarter than me. Well, let me tell you. I grew up in the secondhand jerkoff community. My fa- now, my father was not a secondhand jerkoff. While well, I say secondhand jerkoffs, my father was taught by a original participant in the Frankfurt School, a real communist hitter, a man who knew philosophy, who had read everything and thought about it. The man was brilliant. His name was Herbert Feigl. My father was a Ph.D. student of one of the greatest philosophical minds of the twentieth century. My father was a hitter. Now, his students, not so much. His student students are dumber than dirt. I'm dealing with them every day on X. They don't know what they're talking about. Therefore, Royce White came up with a great idea of calling them secondhand jerk-offs. And Royce, we're going to go with that. Royce has a certain flair for things that he, he'll just go out and say some things that I'm not prepared to say. But this one's so good, I've been putting it up all over X. These people are secondhand jerk-offs. Secondhand jerk-offs. What is a secondhand jerk-off? A secondhand jerk-offs are downstream. It's the description of graduates from our elite institutions that'd be the dirty dozen that believe their indoctrination is truth, or worse, believe that their doctrinate that their indoctrination is a ticket to their material success, to their 401ks increasing. The dumbing down of America starts with our doctors, our lawyers, our teachers, and our PhDs. That's just the way it is. I know it because I'm older and I know the difference. I'm taught I have kids in, in university. They're dumb. They they just don't have the the willingness to critically think about issues because they're living in a environment that has become very homogeneous. Very homogeneous. And I'm gonna I'm gonna back this up and, and you know maybe my producer can get this up on the screen. When I'm, when I'm speaking, maybe he can't. You know, we, we're working on technical things all the time right now. In the dirty dozen and throughout our entire academic community, I mean the whole thing, according to the best research that you can go look up yourself, all faculty, 72% is liberal, 15% is conservative, 50% identify as Democrat, and only 11% identify as Republican. In the social sciences, it's 75% liberal, 9% conservative, 55% Democrat, and 7% Republican. When you get into the humanities, where people really learn about one race is superior and another one is inferior, where you where you get this brainwashing thing going on, 81% of professors in our institutions are liberal. Only 9% are conservative. identify as Democrat, only 6% as Republican. That's just the facts, according to the best research that I can find. What we have today, which is so different, let's say, in 1965 when I was becoming very conscious, in 65, there was a battle in the institutions between the new left and the conservatives who held at that time all the levers of power you want to get tenure you had to be good because you had to get it by a tenure committee that was probably mostly conservative i was in the room i've said this it was 1969 when my father misha penn a great academic who i miss i wake up sometimes i wake up sometimes missing my father that just happened to me this past weekend even though he was a leftist And I was, you know, he raised me to be left and I was left for a long time. Uh, He was a good and decent man, believed in educating people, not in what to think, he wasn't into that. It was how to think, he taught critical thinking. And he was the first academic, one of the first, maybe the first, one of the first academics that started to redact and critique this British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy as it was justified in the anthropological literature that would be Darwin and Spencer and Galton and Boaz, these kind of people that turned the British colonial empire into, of course, if we're strong enough to subjugate you, it's good because it's social Darwinism. It's the advancement of the species. So killing your ass or making you slave, that's the natural way. These people were not Christians. What's a Christian? Christian is someone that loves their neighbor as themselves. If you're a Darwinist, if I'm stronger than you and I can enslave you, hey, that's good for the species because only the strong shall survive. You see, they made an entire intellectual architecture which dominates our entire elite jerk-off class today just to justify this one race is superior, another one is inferior business model. These people suck, and they don't even know they suck. That's the problem. See, if they knew, now some of them know they suck. They're just in it for the money or they're evil. But most of them, the vast majority of them, are just secondhand jerk-offs. They have no idea, no idea, no idea how dumb they are. And they hate the everyday people. Well, let me tell you, there's a revolt going on now. And when I mean a revolt, right now it's an ideological revolt of people who have just had enough of it. Could you please play number four?
4: Hey, folks, your old pal Chicago Ray checking in. Um, uh, just want to let you know, look, I took down that video that I posted on Friday uh, because it went viral, went on TikTok. Not because I don't stand by what I said, because I do. But, you know, my grandson seen it and, you know, he got a little hurt by it and it hurt my feelings. So, you know, what the fuck? You know, that's it. It is what it is. Um I'm not no look. I'm not no figurehead here. I'm not no uh leader of any movement, I'm not going on any podcasts or you know, doing any GoFundMe's or anything like that. You know, I'm who I am. Alright? I hear chatter, I let you guys know what I heard. And you know, that's what it is. I, I'm I'm hearing it now. You know, some people are seriously thinking of, uh, you know, not not going to New York City, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna encourage it, but if New York City gonna have judges ruling like they're ruling and, and running a, a town like they're running, then, you know, hey, that's freedom. Every every truck driver in this country. Everybody has in this country to, to to decide on their own. I'm just saying, I stand with Trump. Okay, I'm I'm one of the millions of truckers that stand with Trump. I, that's it. Okay. Um, you know, I don't want to see anybody hurt. You know, I said earlier. You know, I took down that tweet as well because people were misinterpreting. You know, saying. uh They're saying, like, oh, somebody got to him. Ain't nobody fucking getting nothing to me. Nobody threatening me. Nobody challenging me. You know, uh, I'm my own man. I ain't scared of no motherfucker, okay? I grew up in Chicago, man. I I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm some tough guy. I'm just saying, you know, nothing's going to worry me. Nothing's going to scare me.
1: That's good. Thank you. So our our elite second-class jerk-offs that come from the dirty dozen these great institutions look at our trucker here our our everyday guy just a guy working working hard they look at him as you know uneducated a dummy and this man this man is a, a has dignity he's self-governing he's not afraid and he's just telling them like it is now one could say he's not that educated okay What are you educated in if you got a Ph.D.? What are you educated in? What did they teach you when 80% of your teachers all believe the same thing? How do you know what you know is the truth? Are you searching for truth or are you sure you know the truth? Because you sons of bitches that are sure you know what the truth is, you're the problem. Science is always changing and evolving the nature of science's inquiry and continuously questioning every paradigm. Where's the questioning of the post-World War II Democrat-Liberal order? Where's the questioning of debt slavery when we have a $34 trillion debt? Where's the questioning of a society where people are raised and become sick by definition, almost every single person? What what that's just the way we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be sick? What is that all about? And slave slavery and drugs and now piracy, a continuous war? That goes back in my mind when I look at it to nineteen thirteen. This country has been at almost continuous war since 1913. Go look up what happened in 1913. Why should I tell you? You got to do your own research. But people are waking up. And I want to say to this trucker Ray, I salute you. This is an act of civil disobedience. Now, there is a lot of controversy, whether this is really going to be a protest, if there's really going to be a boycott. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. And, you know, I'm going to just say this, because I'm in the tire business, I know an awful lot about trucking. I'm going to tell you what pisses off the globalists more than anything else any weakness in their plan. They identify the weakness and then they go to eliminate it. One of their greatest weaknesses is the independent trucker who they rely upon to move goods through the supply chain. These people are powerful. If the truckers all sit down, everybody's gonna get hungry really quick. Well, not everybody. That'd be a cognitive distortion. It's everybody that's gotta go on down to the grocery store to buy food. The farmers are fine, of course. If you have stored food in your basement in a bucket, you're fine. But if you're going down to the grocery store every couple of days to buy food and these truckers sit on their hands, you're going to get hungry really quick. And I think this issue about this case with uh, Trump in New York for these truckers, and if you're listening to me and you're a trucker, I really don't think this is the issue. I think the issue is automation which we talked about in the The fastest growing operational efficiency is artificial intelligence. This machine, the globalist machine, has every intent of sitting you people down permanently and put you on basic income with automated trucks. That's a reason right there to quit driving, to bring the society to its knees and negotiate a contract which maintains your freedom your independence, and your income for generations to come. Not every scientific invention is good for people. A case could be made that none of them are. But I'm not going there because I like science. I was on an airplane over the weekend. I drove here in a car. I'm going to eat a nice meal cooked on a gas stove. I'm not anti-science. I'm anti-science used as a weapon against people for profit, Science for profit at the expense of human dignity and human well-being is an affront to my spiritual border. So for you truckers that are listening, let's think about automation and let's think about getting a contract which preserves your way of life for generations to come. Could you please play number five so we can talk about how perverse things really are? This is going to be interesting to some of you. Ty, we're going to be on your dime here now for the rest of the podcast. Same
3: people who own the labels on the prisons. Literally the same people? Literally the same people who own the labels on private prisons. The records that come out are really geared to push people towards that prison industry. But they didn't make you write those lyrics. It's not about making somebody write the lyrics. It's about being there as guardrails to make sure Certain songs make it through, and certain songs don't. Some records are made by committee. You, meaning record company guys, sit around and tell the artists, "This is hot. Say that. Do this. We're gonna have this guy write the lyrics. We're gonna have that." You have, you know, the record company pushing the narrative. You know, some social engineering going on here to make sure those prisons stay full. Well,
1: that's that's nice, isn't it? That's uh, for those of you who don't know. And I'm sure there's many of you who don't. That is the famous Ice Cube, who came into prominence a long time ago with NWA. This guy is a really great artist. He's uh, one of the owners of the Big Three, which is a three-on-three professional basketball league, which my associate, Mr. Royce White, is a star in. Great basketball. I've been around Cube. He's cool. And he's got the balls to say something, which brings up some issues. Who are these record owners, and why are they encouraging a kind of art, which encourages young urban men, black men, to kill each other? That's what I did. I understand Ice Cube correctly. My producer is shaking his head. Right. Yes. Yes, I did. He, I thought. I thought. I thought I heard him say that the music, the music of the community, encourages violence, and the very same people that own the record companies, own the private prisons where the people go after they commit these violent acts. And you know, Ty's question is, who are these people? Well, let's first talk about how this all came up. CNN Health published a uh, chart this past week which really brought forth a lot of comment, most of which was racist in the extreme. And when I say racist, I mean racist in the extreme. About annual firearm homicide deaths among men per 100,000 people per year by race and by state. So it had all these states, and for example, Missouri, 2.77 white males died for every 100,000 of, of white males, and 59.42 black males per 100,000 black males died. I mean, this is a, a, a tremendous difference in the homicide rates in these communities. Overall, in the United States, The difference is uh, 2.1 white males die per 100,000 citizens and 29.12 black males die per 100,000 citizens. Per 100,000 citizens. So there's great differences in uh, homicide rates by race, which is a tremendous social program, which, of course, the racists online attributed to some kind of a racial issue And what Ice Cube was saying was that the art that was being quote-unquote art that was being uh, disseminated into these communities, because art is disseminated, it's a product, it has to be distributed. Just like Trucker Ray bringing the food, somebody's disseminating this art into this community. And Ice Cube is saying that it is intentionally created by the record label owners to create violence. And I wrote back on Acts and boy did people threaten my life. What a statistic. Let us consider what happens when people are stripped of their spiritual borders by enslavers, made dependent by enslavers, and then made vulnerable in their communities by those same enslavers. And imagine a country without what? Without enslavers, in other words, without the business model of debt slavery and drugs and piracy if we removed that business model and really replaced it with a business model that was strictly dedicated to the well-being of every American citizen? Well, there would be some losers in that. And who would the losers be? Well, the losers would be these record labor owners that own these private prisons. And Ty's question was, who was these people? Who are these people? And he's baiting me, so I want to jump right into it. Because, Ty, I am not afraid. I love you, brother. My producer's laughing at me because I think he knows where I'm going with this. What is the Jewish identity? That's what we're talking about here. And I get a lot of feedback. Professor Penn, you don't talk about it yourself. I talk about this all the time, okay, all the time. People don't hear me. We have to listen to each other. I'm one of the first people that started you. I might be the first person. Royce might back me up on this. I think I might have coined the phrase the anti Jew. Because the Marxists, the first battle was between the children of the faithful and their parents. They thought their parents were dumb. They didn't go for this faith thing. They were poor. They watched their parents praying three times a day. They said, What is this? I'm going to the city. I don't want to live dedicated to a spiritual reality, poor. I want to get in on the Industrial Revolution. The first fight was within the Jewish community. They were anti-Jews. They rejected Judaism. So the very first fundamental building block of this is, if you don't believe in God, you're not Jewish. You can say you're a Jew. You can wrap yourself in the cloth of Jewishness, But if you don't have faith and you're purely a materialist, you've given up the spiritual way. That's not who you are. That's no different than a Christian person who wraps themselves in the cloth of Christianity, but they don't walk by faith and not by sight. They're looking by sight at their 401k. And there's Morning Joe encouraging every American citizen to validate and evaluate the success of the Biden administration by how much money they have as if that has something to do with their well-being. And, of course, it does because every scam has an element of truth. We remember the three emptying factors from you know Chinese medical philosophy. Having nothing is an emptying factor that leads to death. Having nothing causes continuous concern, which leads to death. Having nothing and having continuous concern leads to disease, which leads to death. So, there is some truth that having some material necessity is a building block to a healthy life. But when all of your focus becomes material and you have no spiritual center, no spiritual border from which you act, you're no longer Jewish, you're no longer Christian, you're no longer Muslim. You're no longer a person of any spiritual borders. And what happened in the Jewish community, let me just read this to you. This is going to take some time. We're going to go back to the way back. Because what I'm going to share with you is this problem in the Jewish community has existed since Moses took the people out of Egypt. If you want to believe in the allegory of the Bible or you want to believe it word for word, I'm going to leave that up to you. I know that when I go to the Passover Seder and I read these stories, for me, it's like I'm there. It creates a timelessness for me. So I'm going to read a story and we're going to see that this faithlessness, this rejection of God within the nation of Israel, within Judaism, goes back to Sinai. This is in Numbers. Korah, the son of a Levi and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram. Sons of Eliab and a son of Peleth became insolent. They were insolent or arrogant. It's a deadly sin, right? And rose up against Moses. With them were about 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. 250 community organizers organized themselves in a rebellion which seemed to be against Moses. We're going to find out. That's the punchline of the story. And they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourself above the Lord's assembly? In other words, what makes you the boss? A little bit mafia. When Moses heard this, he fell face down onto the desert floor. And then he said to Korah and his followers, In the morning, the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near to him. And the man he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. In other words, God, it's his plan. And you, Korah, and all your followers, these 250 rebellers, take censers. What's a censer? A censer is a pot you put incense in. And tomorrow, put fire and incense in these censers before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses Will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. In other words, they created a priestly class. The Levites were a priestly class, like secondhand jerk offs. They had special powers just because they did. They were better than the people. They held themselves superior in another race, all the rest of the Israelites inferior. And this goes on in the nation of Israel to this very day. That's another story for another podcast. Moses said, you listen, isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the community and brought you near to him to do the work of the Lord and to stand before the community and minister to them? Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough? It's enough for me. I just pray every day for the strength and the life to continue to do this work, to represent the United States of America in the idea of self-governance in the idea of spiritual borders. I pray every day I thank God for every day that I can do this. And I hope you do the same thing. Cuz we're a community. We're an action community. And has he brought you and all your fellow Levites near to himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too? They want to be the boss. It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? Because the Aaron, you know Aaron, Aaron had the Lord's hand upon him. And then Moses summoned Dathan and Ibiram, the sons of Iliam. But they said, hey, we're not going to come. Hey, we're not coming. Gave him the finger. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up? Of, isn't it enough, Moses, that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? And now you also want to lord it over us? I mean, there's a disagreement. See, this disagreement goes back to the way back. Moreover, Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing, flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Are you going to gouge our eyes out? No, we're not coming. It's a little bit mafia. These people were serious players. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. Moses said to Korah, You and your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Each man is to take his censer and put put incense in it, 250 of them, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. So each man took his censer, put fire and incense into it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Korah gathered all of his 250 henchmen, and they stand there and they say, What's going to happen? And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Separate yourself from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. He's talking about all the Israelites, you know, because God had already had enough of these people. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, O oh Lord, God of the spirits and of all mankind, you know, blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Will you be angry with the entire assembly because of this one man's sins? And then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Ibram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Ibarim, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he warned the assembly, Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of their sins. So they moved away from the tents, got out of the way. It's always good to get out of the way. This is another thing. It's called awareness. Always be aware, because you can save yourself a lot of pain just by paying attention. And then Moses said, This is how you will know the Lord has sent me to do these things, and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and experience only what usually happens to men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them, and everything that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. And as soon as he finished saying this, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their household and all of Korah's men and all their possessions. They went down alive into the grave, and everything they owned, the earth closed over them, and they perished and we're gone from the community. You know, this is just baked into who I am. I've been reading this story since I've been I don't know 4 or 5 years old. And so I knew in my in my blood, in my soul, in the in the cells of my brain that if I was arrogant to the Lord, I risked punishment. And still I sinned. That's why I see I've just I've transgressed willfully. It is not easy to put down sin, particularly in a fallen world where materialism is everywhere. So who were these Jewish people? Who were these Jewish people? From the very beginning, there was a materialist group that rejected faith in God. Is it any wonder that at the time of Christ, so many of the Jews rejected Christ? They rejected Moses. They rejected God from the get-go. From the get-go. But who was Christ but a Jew, a Judean? It's in, it is actually in the Bible. You know, I'm looking at these people like Stu Peters and Megan Ariel, whatever her name is, Morgan Ariel. These people are so anti-Jewish. Even though there's Jews that I know that are like me, that actually believe. Wouldn't it be terrible if if some believing Jew was killed because of some non-believing Jew? Can we leave not judgment to the Lord himself as an idea? If you're a believer, listen to these now. Christ is a Jew, for it is evident that the Lord arose from Judah. That's Hebrews 7.14. In Revelation 5.5, One of the 24 elders called Jesus the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Long before his birth, it was prophesied that Shiloh, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, would come from the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.10. In his conversation with the woman at the well, Jesus says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. That's John 4.22. Jesus uses the pronoun we clearly, including himself among the Jews. The Jews, however, rejected him. As John in 1-1 says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So right in our Bible, if we're Bible-believing, which if we're not, why why the heck are we even talking about this? We're Darwinists. We had a a disagreement, and I'm I'm watching in this... um, conversation that you know the jews of judah the jews they weren't really the, the nation of israel this is all crap all these people came out of egypt they split into two kingdoms they still believed in the one true god or they rejected the one true god based on this history that goes back to sinai many of the people that were there that were jews quote unquote became the first christians and follow christ and spread the good word throughout the world who after, was, who after all was Paul? Who was Peter? All these people were Jewish. They all came out of the Old Testament tradition where Christ said, I didn't come up to overthrow the law. I came to fulfill it. So what happened? Well, we got these non-believing Jews. And in the diaspora, you know, after the nations of Israel and Judah were destroyed and the Jews were pushed out of Israel and went on their Mary band journey, throughout northern North Africa and the Middle East and then finally up into Europe, through Kazaria, which is another story for another day. but this Kazaria Jew thing is another scam because you know it's called intermarriage and people have the faith and they have the history if it's in their blo- if it's in their ideas, it's not just blood. it's do you accept the tradition? But these people went up into Europe. This is where this anti-Semitism thing really got strong because the Jewish people lived in the Arab countries for hundreds of years peacefully until the formation of the State of Israel. These people that were not believing, not believing, they were still children of the Jewish tradition. They still had a great emphasis on learning because we're people of the book, so to speak, They have the powers of creativity because we are made in the image and likeness of God. So we're creative and we're learned. And you can take the Bible out of it and make it about physics and you're going to excel. It's not that Jewish people are smarter or better. There's a high cultural value in education. Just like in the Chinese community, there's a high cultural value in and on education. It's cultural. It's culture-bound. And the Jewish people that rejected Judaism and poverty, because if you believe in God, after all, you really don't want a lot of money. It gets in the way. That's how I live my life. I know that comes as a surprise to some of you. But, um, you know, I live my life very humbly, and I am humble because I want to be. I don't think about making money. I think about my relationship with God. That's what's important to me. But I got kids, some of them don't believe in God. This goes on perpetually, generation after generation. I have two of my five children were educated at one of the Dirty Dozen schools. It's painful for me. And they are leftists, and they are not believers. I sent them their believers. They just didn't come out that way because they were brainwashed into the cult of the post-World War II Democrat liberal order, which is based on Darwinism and science, and they just said, ah, (laughs) I'm going to leave that walk by faith and not by sight stuff for dummies like you, Dad. Okay, that's okay, you're entitled, it's a free country, you can go over there and do that. But the Jews that did that, who now were the anti-Jews because they'd rejected their tradition, they were empowered with a great ability to learn and to create. And they became educated in the Darwinist British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. They mastered it. They're the masters of the model. And why did they do that? Because they were rejecting, they were rejecting the religious tradition of the old order. They wanted to overturn the old order because they viewed it as being very unfair to the poor people. Because remember, the old order was kings and queens and everybody else was a serf. So they were part of that great movement to liberate the people from the draconian control of the kings and queens of Europe who were allied with the Catholic Church, which they wanted to overthrow. So they developed new philosophies. One was science, which was in opposition to religion. And the political philosophy, which they developed in opposition to Judaism, was Marxism and Freudianism. Excuse me, Ty. This chokes me up because I know I'm getting out here on a limb. These people became very powerful, not because there's necessarily an international conspiracy. They learned how to work the pre-existing British, and some would say Babylonian business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. Why did they do it? Because they were in it for the money. They were in it for the money, and they knew if they got that money, they'd get good breeding rights because you know, not every not just the Jews are materialists, okay? A lot of materialism going around here they knew they'd get the good breeding rights they knew they'd be safe because they'd be important and they grew up and then they you know some of them were marxists some of them were scientists some were some of them were scientists and marxists now for many generations the ethical and moral spiritual boundaries of the parents passed through to the children even though the children no longer believed they kept those spiritual boundaries that's the world I grew up in my parents were Marxists, but they had spiritual boundaries. They functioned as if they were believers, even though they weren't acting and living like believers. I got that from my grandparents. They rescued me. But these people's children and then their children's children and their children's children's children, well, eventually those spiritual boundaries washed away. And at the same time, we had the Holocaust. And why did we have a Holocaust? Holocaust. Well, from the Nazi perspective, they were fighting Jewish Bolshevism, and it was a war, and the Jews had definitely declared war on the Nazis, and there was a worldwide boycott of German goods and German services. The Jewish community was definitely in a spiritual and ideological struggle against German nationalism. So these two communities were at war, and the Germans took action. There was a Holocaust. There is no way to deny a Holocaust unless you don't want to go to Yad Vashem or go to the United States Holocaust Museum and look at the documentary evidence. There's documentary evidence. We don't even want to talk about this. It's just dumb. There's documentary evidence of a Holocaust, and the children of that Holocaust had their faithlessness reinforced. And now comes the post-World War II Democrat liberal order or globalism or the New World Order. So you had these people had rejected their faith, who had adopted science, who had adopted Marxism, who were super empowered to learn, to take super high positions in the new priesthood of medicine, the new priesthood of law, to, you know, to be the movers and the shakers because the lawyers became politicians. They were highly creative. Maybe they became record labor owners. These people, my people, the people who would hate me because they're anti-Jews, they're certainly anti-Christ, took the power positions in the society. And what did they want? They wanted money, and they wanted safety, and they wanted power. And they achieved those goals by living in and supporting this post-World War II Democrat liberal order. Well, what do, we, what, do we, what do we end up with when people do this? We end up with a lot of hatred, a lot of hatred. And uh, I understand the hatred, but I want to uh, remind everybody that from my perspective, uh, we don't know God's speed or God's plan. We don't understand it. We act like we do. There are hundreds of thousands of Jews, maybe millions of Jews, who are discovering the truth and searching for the truth. They are not a threat. They are humble. They do not believe one race is superior and another one is inferior. They just want to worship and live quiet lives of contemplation and prayer. So let us protect those people and put them to the side and focus our attention and our research on the anti-Jews. So here's what I've been doing. These people, and there's a lot, they're mostly Jews. I'm going to be, they're mostly anti-Jews. These people that are continuously supporting war in the Ukraine, you know, the Bill Crystals, for example, I just take and I copy their Wikipedia, you know, put it in there. You know, they graduated from Columbia or Harvard. They all went to the same schools. They all have the same cultish affiliation with the post-World War II Democrat liberal order. They think I'm a cultist. Everybody's thinking the other guy's a cultist. Let's search for truth. Let's start right here. Globalism is not a bad thing. It's the people who operate globalism that are bad. And why is that? Because wherever there's good, evil is close at hand. It's not the Catholic Church that's evil. It's the evil people that operate the Catholic Church that are the problem. Judaism's not bad. It's Judas that's bad. It's the people that said, give us Barabbas instead of Christ that are bad. It's not the idea of the Old Testament. We have to start to get very precise because here's the summary, and I know we're running over. I hope you can stay with me because I thought about this. Why would a record label executive sow violence in the uh, black community? And Ice Cube's explanation was, because they own the private prisons. I'm gonna go a little bit farther than that. If the blacks hate the whites, and the whites hate the blacks, and the Christians hate the non-Christians, and the pro-lifers hate the uh, uh, pro-woman's right to choose, if we hate each other, we're never going to organize to throw off the business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. That's gonna take community organizing. That's what the Professor Penn Podcast is about. That's what Free People of America is all about. This is about a post-hate politics, a politics of love, a politics that's informed by a spiritual insight that we must love our neighbors as ourselves. They're sowing this hatred to maintain their power. As long as we hate each other, as long as I go on X and people call me names not knowing who I am, as long as I go on X and people judge who I am before I can get a word out of my mouth, we're going to be completely paralyzed in this scam of Democrats versus Republicans, liberals versus conservatives. We are being manipulated No different than the British anthropologists that came with the British military, turned the Shias against the Sunnis, all these different tribes against each other, and then plunked the Jews down in the middle of it so they could get the oil out for pennies on the dollar and control the Suez Canal. They've just done it to us. They've just done it to us, the American people. The American people who divorced these secondhand jerk-offs in 1776. We divorced them and formed an American community. But they were so slick. They penetrated our elite institutions. They've educated our children. And these secondhand jerk-offs are making us hate each other. They're using words like traitor. They're using words like stooge. They're using words that, you know, we're were Putin's agents. The, The whole thing is just meant to keep us separated because a nation that is divided is going to fall. And that is why... Anti Jews are in league with the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy because they're at the top of the pyramid where that eye is. They're getting all the money because money's flowing uphill. They're sending the shit downhill so we keep hating each other. So they just simply stay in power and get all the benefits of our labors. In other words, much like it was portrayed in The Matrix, we're just batteries. We're just copper tops. We're just working our ass off so that they can fund these wars and continue to be parasites upon the people. So Ty, and for all the other people that have asked me this question, I believe in God. Christ has revealed himself to me. I want to live a life trying to put sin under my own foot. I'm concerned about the log in my own eye. I don't want to criticize any other individual people unless they attack me. I want a path of peace. The Bible, it has said, all of its paths are paths of peace. We are lacking in spiritual borders. When we restore our own, I don't mean in some kind of great political movement. I mean on an individual basis. If each one of us would dedicate ourselves to learning about and restoring our own spiritual borders and putting our own sins underfoot so that the seals are reset, the problems in this country would substantially disappear overnight. So this is about the well-being of the American people. Well-being comes first and foremost from having spiritual borders. Self-governance is about developing and maintaining internal spiritual borders. That is why... The evil ones separated church and state so that we took our attention off of self-governance and transferred our attention to the state being our masters instead of us being masters of our own destinies. And on that note, I want to go out with a song. Now, we never know when we put these up if YouTube's going to let me do it. We're going to go out with a song Uh, called Slave Driver by Bob Marley because it summarizes so many of these issues. Bob Marley was a prophet. Please, the lyrics are written out. Please look at how timely these lyrics are today. I want to wish you a good weekend. I want to wish you well-being. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Please ask me questions. I will try to answer them. It will be an opportunity for me to do research. Ty, I want to thank you for pushing me into this uh, discussion. Thank you, and I'll see you soon again.